0: Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but, well, might have some questions. In short, well, that program's designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style talk with the pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Lance O'Donnell of Saint Paul Lutheran Church in Anamanoac. <laughs> I knew it was going to blow it again, Lance. Anamanoac. <laughs> I kind of Wisconsin. There we go. I forgive you. <laughs> I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email to let's Talk at kfuo.org. Or during the program, you can call us if you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East at area code 314-821-0850, or toll-free anywhere in North America at 1-800-730-2727. Okay, Iconomowack. You got it. Hey, I knew I could do it. Close enough, anyway. Oh, boy, I tell you. <laughs> you know, back in my earlier days when I served at radio stations in uh, different parts of the country, they all have their unique pronunciations. I remember when I was down in, uh, I worked in Mobile, Alabama for a while, and one of the main streets down there is J-O-A-C-H-I-M. Joachim, right? Wrong. Joachim. Oh, sure. <laughs> I don't even remember about the times I worked in New Orleans. You would not believe this. To I'm be... sure. I'm sure. Oh, that was horrible. Absolutely horrible.
1: So, but it's Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, and it is a gorgeous summer day.
0: Uh, well, we've got a pretty nice one here, although it's a little bit hot. We've got some high clouds. We've had some rain off and on recently, but at last we've gotten rid of this horrible winter we had. Amen. Amen. Ah. You know, I've got a, a a bit of a confession here to make. You know, I um, you know, my my late wife and I never had children. Yes. And now I did remarry and my uh, current wife, by the time we met, I mean she had four grown children and a slew of grandkids and well that's something I you know, I, she has her relationship with them and I, I really applaud it. Uh but it's something that I sometimes Feel that I'm perhaps not quite understanding now, and I happen to notice from your bio here that you have something of a tribe, and in fact, you've got uh, one one uh, one child who graduated last year from high school, yeah. one who's just graduated this year from high school, one who's graduated just graduated from eighth grade, and you got another one finishing up at fourth grade. This is an incredible. What's the word I'm looking for? Milestone, I guess, in your life. Yep. And it's something that someone like me has a little difficulty trying to understand. Can you explain to me what this milestone means to you, both as a father and as a pastor?
1: What a great question. Um, (laughs) So what is is the milestone of having the kids graduate from high school and one go on to high school? What does that mean? for me as a father and a pastor? Mm -hmm. Wow, what a great question. Um, You know, I'll say, first of all, you know, my my wife and I had a conversation about this, because at at my son's graduation last weekend from Lake Country Lutheran High School in Heartland, Wisconsin, uh, you know, we heard a few people saying in the weeks leading up, you know, these are the best years of your lives. And my, neither my wife nor I ever felt like that. You know, we felt like if, if graduating from high school is the pinnacle, that, that there's just something that seems wrong about that uh, to, to us. So, you, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I'm on the board of the Lutheran High School Association of Greater Milwaukee. We operate three different high schools that have different, slightly different clientele, as it were. Um, Milwaukee Lutheran is a great school in the city in in the northwest side of Milwaukee, and um, a lot of their students now, for a a goodly number of them, they're, they're the first people in their family graduating from high school. And so the whole event of graduation is is different because it it is that is a serious milestone for some of these families um whereas my son where my son went to high school at lake country lutheran um the vast majority of those families the parents graduated from college so high school is a step along the way but it's a different vibe and so as, as a man and that's kind of where i am you know, we're we're very proud of him. He had a good high school experience, as did um, my daughter before him. But, you know, there, we're also on to the next thing.
0: You're looking at that empty nest not all that far down the road anymore.
1: Uh, you know, on, in our case, it's it's still out there because <laughs> we, we just finished school here today. And so I have this fall, I have two kids in college, uh, one starting fifth grade and another starting ninth grade, freshman year high school. So We've still got a little ways to go. But as a as a pastor, I'm as a pastor, I you know, tonight we'll celebrate our eighth graders, our eighth grade class leaving and and going on to high school. And that is, you know, that is it's both personally, I think, and pastorally uh, bittersweet. Mostly, though, sweet, because you see these kids and this class, made, you know, as opposed to say a year ago, just a major jump in maturity. You know, there, most of these kids they were not ready for high school as they ended seventh grade. Well, wow. and you know, but you can tell now, right? There's a there's a maturity, there's a readiness, there's an, an excitement. So, you know, pastorally, as a as a pastor with the school, I'm super excited for these kids you know and i'm honest to god sad to see him go but recognize this is necessary and right
0: is part of the preparation that you're seeing in in the children uh because they went to a lutheran school i'm i'm wondering if you could contrast this, for example with uh with other kids in say public schools
1: you know i don't know if i could answer that question really well my oldest daughter did go to public school I, you know I, by and large I'd say our our kids, because of the foundation that we give them, in in their identity in God, and God, are, uh, I think by and large our, our our kids are are better prepared to deal with some of the the onslaught of of freedom that they get when they move on to the high school level. Uh-huh. But you know I don't have any data necessarily to support that that's just my sense is there's a a little firmer foundation and perhaps a, a little bit better able to navigate the complexities of of the of the middle teenage years
0: well I look back uh, you know in my generation when when I came up um, I was Fortunate in that uh, we had a very strong youth group at the church. Was these, this was back in the Walter League days. Yep, and uh, boy, the Walter League was really very much of my social life, and had was directed me through those years through, and we call it junior high then, rather rather than middle school and then high school, uh, and that those were things that that guided me. Although I really didn't see that much in the terms of the the freedom difference between junior high and senior high you know partially because this was prior to the internet and we didn't have things like iphones you know right? and uh... couldn't drive little things like that and uh... my family i won't say they were strict but by my, my my dad was was relatively prominent in the area and my mother was absolutely deadly on you will not do anything that possibly reflects poorly on your father <laughs>
1: So, I understand that sentiment very well.
0: So that was a situation that I faced, and I, I and this is a completely different thing. I mean, we're looking at totally different generations now, and different sets of pressures. And I, I look at the stumbles that I had. You know, I, when I went to college, uh, that's where the freedom part came in sure
1: what what year were you born I was
0: born in 1948
1: you're 48 okay
0: yeah and I really wasn't prepared I think for a lot you know my parents came out of the depression and world war ii and so they were determined I think to shield my brother and myself from some of the really rough things that they went through yep and consequently I was not really prepared for the real world I guess is what we should call it
1: I can appreciate that, and your parents weren't unique in that regard.
0: And you know, and of course, you know, I I, I stumbled. Uh, I did what happened. I think with with many young young men in the in the twenties, in their twenties, you know, I I started to fall away from the church. Uh, There weren't, there was no. I mentioned about. I I had the League going up through high school. We had no equivalent organization at the school. Uh, there were very few Lutherans there. The, we had one Lutheran faculty member who did try to organize uh, those of us who were there to work with a local church, but I, I never felt part of that congregation, and frankly, I didn't like the faculty member, <laughs> so, sure. so that, that didn't help either. And uh, and I lost a lot of the, the moral and the spiritual guidance that I had grown up with, and...
1: Uh, you know, to get... To, uh, on your question right as, as a parent yeah and to some degree also a, as a pastor you know that that gets to it you know at, at some point right you're you there's a little bit of leash that you have on your kid but you you got to let them go and grow and some of that they're just they've just got to learn on their own it's it's a it's a bizarre feeling for me as a father. You know, people ask me, oh, are you sad about Aiden leaving? This is my now 18-year-old son who will be a freshman in college this fall. And, you know, right now I say yes, but the truth is also I'm ready for him to go. I feel like for him and for his older sister who's older by a year, they need to get out on their own. they I. They, I, I'm, they need to get out from under my roof, under my protection, and so they can appropriate and more deeply internalize, I pray, some of the things we tried to teach them. It won't be if they still have everything that, uh, everything that they have when they're, while they're under our roof. They, they, they both They need to go, and it's not because I don't love them. It's
0: because I do love them. Well, I know my my grandmother who lived with us for a while uh wasn't wasn't like my mother or my father in, in terms of shielding. Uh her favorite saying was, you know, you have to get burned before you believe fire is hot. <laughs> I remember her saying that. <laughs> and uh, and she was a firm believer in in making mistakes because this is how you learn. Yes. And uh I've often thought of her. And I kind of wish I'd burned myself a little bit more before i'd gone off
1: <laughs> well that you know that's you know, you know my my kids have been you know they they live in a happy household um with you know parents who love each other and an intact family and uh as part of a solid congregation and a lutheran school uh they they have had you know a really a really blessed and and largely i don't want to say conflict free that's not true it's they they just have had an awful lot of support and it will be challenging for them at college next year when we're not right there
0: what are your biggest fears and hopes for your college bound kids
1: i hope that they learn quickly and thoroughly from their mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike their father.
0: Oh yeah. You and I have talked about that before. <laughs> uh I does that does that make sense that answer? It, uh you know, actually it did. Uh I, I think, you know, both you and I when we were making mistakes in our younger years, we weren't quite aware that they were mistakes. Yeah. Uh and I'm and so it was it was a little bit difficult for me at least to learn from my mistakes because uh, I, I wasn't realizing what I was doing wrong. But uh, but I think I see what you're saying. Now, it, you've given your children I think a little bit different guidance than I got growing up. For one thing, you're you're a pastor, obviously. So there's something to that.
1: It is a blessing and a curse for a kid.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, my mother was a was a she, her her father was a pastor.
1: Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. She used to say that she was the PK, the preacher's kid. Yep. Uh But, yeah, no, I see what you're talking about there. Uh, but this generation is so much different. You know, you sent me a couple of articles from The Atlantic. Yes. Uh, detailing what the social media, the digital media, and more than social media, just digital media has taken a broad range here, has done in terms of... Uh, the social aspects of their lives for example you and i we got out we went out on dates yes yeah. You know, we went to the football games we did all this stuff we hung out with our friends today's kids aren't doing it that much because they they hang out with with their iphones their friends on on social media
1: yeah it's it's a it's a it is a it's a digital it's more much more of a digital experience than a than an in-person experience and the the research that I quoted to you from Dr. Gene Twenge is really stunning. I think in in how how the health disadvantages when primarily when most of your interaction is digital.
0: Well, one thing he raised uh, in the article was that there seems to be an increase in depression. There among is the, indeed among...
1: an increase in depression. And
0: yeah, because there there is a there is an isolation. There is that that lack of, of physical contact.
1: Right, and, and you know, and so it's a she. By the way, it's uh, I she's think it's a pretty. psychologist. At, I think at San Diego State um, or UCSD. I can't remember, but um, so Dr. Gene Twenge says, you know, it, it is clear that the the kids who spend more time in person are happier and healthier the more time you spend online and on social media the the there's a direct correlation with unhappiness and all the other related psychological factors uh, depression suicide so on and so forth
0: and yet there was there was one finding that that really struck me as both it on the surface is a blessing but perhaps maybe in the long run it's not uh, was the change in teen sexual behavior? They're yeah. not having sex the way that younger generations did.
1: Yeah, even mine. It's the you know I'm a Gen Xer. I was born in uh, 1969, and so the uh, her research, the re- the national research shows uh, kids are sexually active a full year later than they were than in my generation, which. I, is a, a very good thing.
0: It is, in in the sense that you know, that they're they're waiting until they're more mature, at least they should be waiting until they're more mature. And of course there's been a, a marked decrease in teen pregnancy, which is a marvelous, marvelous thing. Uh but how much of that is simply because they don't have the actual social interactions?
1: Makes you wonder.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I'm wondering.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it may, right it makes you it makes you wonder. It's interesting in so the 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 article that we're referring to um is a, basically a summary of Dr. Twenge's book that's called iGen, but in September of 2017 she wrote a summary of it for the Atlantic Monthly, you know, called Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? And and in that in that summary in that summary article, you know, she makes note of some some really stunning statistics that you know we have we have alluded to already. But she one of the things she says here is there's some advice for for parents that um, that I thought was pretty interesting and and worth noting. I'm trying to find my trying to find my note here. So you have to give me a second to do that, because I made a note of it, and then I set it aside.
0: Yeah, I'm always doing that. You ought to see my desk. On second thought, you shouldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let me see here, because I did shoot. Um, but, you know, basically the advice, the advice was, you know, b- based on this, this really clear research across, across, across socioeconomic strata and so forth, is for parents is put the phone away. Oh, yeah, here to, here, so here's the quote. And okay. This is from, if, if you were going to give advice for a happy adolescence based on the, the survey data, it would be straightforward. Put down the phone, turn off the laptop, and do something, anything, that doesn't involve a screen. Hmm. So put down the phone, turn off the laptop, and do something, anything, that doesn't involve a screen.
0: You know, one thing that prior generations had, uh, each generation has faced its own changes and and its own uh, challenges and innovations. Uh, My grandparents and my parents, to an extent, they had uh, radio suddenly came along. Sure. And wow, what was this thing? You know, they sit around and listen to Jack Benny and and uh and Abner. I've got a bunch of old radio programs taped, I love them. <laughs> but yeah. and then my generation came up and we had television. Yep. But the thing was is that even though it, it was a screen or or a a a non person type entertainment was something that the family could do together the family would, would sit together and they'd listen to the adventures of the lone ranger on radio they could watch tv and watch leave it to beaver again as a family but that's not the case now you can't sit and 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 do an iphone with your kids not
1: yeah not necessarily it is even the other technologies were had their challenges Oh, yeah. You could do something interactive, but you could also be very passive, listening to the radio. You could be very passive, watching the television. You could interact and make it, but you had to. You have to make that deliberate choice. But yeah, the the individual screen thing is it, well, that's just it. It's so highly individualistic, mm-hmm. and these wireless mobile devices they are they are designed to addict us. And that, so that's this is I'm working on right now. What I'm calling um, for advice for my, my parish parents here, mm-hmm. a, a graduated license for a cell phone. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I have come to the conclusion that all of us, not just kids, but adults, that we need to treat our smartphones uh, like we do automobiles. And that is when you, first, you, you don't just hand somebody, you don't hand a, a 10-year-old a set of keys to a car. Yeah. You ought not just hand them. An unmonitored, fully accessible, internet-connected smartphone—you're just asking for trouble.
0: You know, it, you know they put the parental controls on the uh, everything from uh, Netflix to to uh, your your phone to the to the internet. Uh, but these kids kids are, are smart, or at least they're, they're more savvy than than many of us are with the with the computers and with the digital age. And a lot of them get around it's uh yeah and you know and then there's the issue how much <laughs> privacy do you give your children that's a, another question I don't know never having been a parent I wouldn't know
1: well we you know this is if I if I may you know we have four kids mm-hmm. and I I have I have an eighth grader here my daughter Phelan who who graduates from eighth grade here at St. Paul's tonight and and she is a, she is a sweet little thing and full of joy, but she has two older siblings. And I told her in a conversation last year when she asked for a phone, I said, "Honey, we, we'd like to give you a phone, and you may get a phone. However, we've learned from your other older siblings, <laughs> and I, we have learned that this is not a benign device. You know, it's it's not like handing somebody a, a toy where you can learn right." That we have to treat this device, that we have to give you a short leash, and we're going to gradually stretch out, give you longer leash if you behave well.
0: How did she respond?
1: Well, uh, so far so good. Because, but she doesn't have a phone. <laughs> she um, didn't did
0: none of this. And, no, that's not fair, Dad type thing. Or
1: and I, you know, I suspect, I suspect that it's going to be, you know, it's like a lot of these. The, the states have graduated licenses for driving now. Yeah. When you and I were kids, you turned 16, you got your license, you were fully free. The kids around the country these days are not that free. They have some restrictions. You can't drive at night. You can't have so-and-so other people the same age in the car. Uh, you know, if you get a ticket during this period, your your period of restriction gets lengthened, so on and so forth. and. That's the way I think parents these days really should be with smartphones and their kids. You should give them a little bit of access, monitored. If they do it well, then you then you extend the leash because you have to you have to learn how to manage all the massive amount of social approval that these devices give you, and that's what um, that's what a lot of what Dr. Twenge talks about in her in her book ijen people are addicted to being liked and smartphones make it in social media make it so so much easier to be liked and but if you're not liked it also leads to especially for teenage girls and and teenagers in general but it leads to um, depression if you don't get liked right away then i'm not liked and now you know then all of a sudden you're depressed
0: I tell you, you couldn't pay me to go through adolescence again.
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I'm thankful I didn't have. I mean, a whole host of levels. We didn't have smartphones. I mean, I I had a. I had a great. I I loved high school. I had a great time. I I learned. I learned a lot. I lived in a great little community. But uh, the the smartphone makes it massively more complicated
0: and more dangerous.
1: Early. For preteens and early teenagers.
0: Yeah, and I think more dangerous too.
1: Without a doubt. Yeah.
0: Well, we have got to take a little break here right now. That's uh, got a lot to talk about coming up. For one thing, I want to go into uh, Facebook a little bit. Yeah. And I also want to talk about. <clears throat> excuse me. I also want to talk about how we can use d- the digital media to help spread the gospel. Without a doubt. We got a lot coming up. Glad to do.
2: This week on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah... We'll share how you can benefit from art lessons this summer, and also we'll talk with a cookbook author about how you can cook delicious food for your family, even if you have multiple food allergies. We'll learn about one pastor's unique approach to adult catechesis. Dr. Joel Bierman will share with us about fatherhood, and we'll catch up with the Mercy Medical Team returning from Tanzania.
0: The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. (laughs)
2: Anselmo, a new college graduate with a bright future, but his life takes an unexpected
0: turn. Seize these two. What is Ah. happening? The Captive, the newest drama from Lamplighter Theatre. Excitement, adventure, and drama. That took courage. Thank you. But you're still asleep. Lamplighter Theatre. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO.
1: Helen Keller was 87 when she died on June 1st, 1968, having lived without sight or hearing since she was 19 months old, yet becoming a world-renowned writer and lecturer. Annie Sullivan herself partially blind had learned how to communicate at the Perkins School for the Blind, using hand signals, and was hired by the Keller family to teach the signing language to their daughter. Helen made remarkable progress in the years of Annie Sullivan's tutoring, ultimately graduating
2: cum laude from Radcliffe.
1: In later years, Helen credited her eagerness for knowledge to the choice of books introduced to her by Annie Sullivan, including the Bible.
2: And in a thought mirroring 2 Corinthians 4.18, Helen said the Bible gave her a deep, comforting sense that things seen are temporal and things unseen are eternal.
1: Engage with the Bible in its impact and
0: influence.
2: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible.
0: Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I am program host, Kip Allen. You can join our conversation anywhere in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, by calling us at area code 314-821-0850, or anywhere toll-free in North America at 1-800-730-2727. You can even email us, this being the digital age, at at org. My guest today is Pastor Lance O'Donnell from Onamatawak, Wisconsin, and we are discussing the impact of... Of children when they reach a certain milestone, the age, the impact on the child, the impact on the parent, and of course, this being a digital age. Oh boy, this changes the entire scene, the entire rules. And Lance, since you and I have been talking about it, I I suggest that the best thing to do is to actually bring an expert into this conversation. (laughs) You got it. Someone who's directly impacted, who knows what she's talking about. A young, upstanding woman who has just graduated from eighth grade. So, what do you think?
2: Um. <laughs> Hi.
0: Well, you know what? Your, your dad and I have been talking about things like. How much contact you have with with people on the outside, and when he and I were growing up, you know we didn 't have the iPhone or the internet or things like that, and so we had much more personal contact with with people on the outside. Do you find that your 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 social life is restricted or or expanded by by the digital age? Um,
2: I do believe that there are some restrictions when it comes to social media and smartphones, that kind of stuff, um, when you have that kind of ability to make that kind of communication that easily and that quickly, it does make it a lot easier to not get together physically, to not be in person. It makes it a lot easier to not have to do that. So when it's just as easy or easier to do it to have a conversation on a phone than to just hang out downtown or do whatever, get together with your friend to talk about something. It but, does impact that in a big way, I believe.
0: But so much communication is not just language, not just not just words, but it's body language, it's facial expression, it's it's what's going on around you as it's going on and it appears to be that this is something that you miss if you just do it through the digital.
2: Um, There's some of that, I believe. Um, There are certain things that do allow you to visualize people while you're talking to them, like FaceTime, things like that. There is some consequences as well... um, some people decide that it's easier to have a conversation over texting than it is in person because you don't have to deal with the awkwardness or of the confrontation. You don't have to really use your gut to be able to...
1: But but there's something, right, that feels very wrong about that. Yes. Right? So if, you know, when your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you over text, for example, is even even you people who live in the digital world recognize that's not right. There's something not right about it. You. you shouldn't break up with somebody. It's really kind of cowardly
2: to yeah, do it that exactly. way. Yeah,
0: that's a good word. Well, something else that would strike me uh, is that when you when you grow up and you, you get out into what we call the real world, you actually have to have face uh, face conversations and interactions with co-workers I mean I'm I, here at the radio station I you know I've got a boss I have to talk to every day I've got people who work with me and it just doesn't work to do it over the phone or the text you actually have to physically meet and you know this is a skill that your dad and I developed growing up with and I'm wondering if this is a skill that perhaps your generation will be lacking well
2: I see Sometimes in classmates or other people my age, when they have to talk to an adult or do something serious that involves a conversation between just one person face-to-face, they have trouble with that and it's very awkward for them and they don't always deal with it in the most professional or best way to do that, I don't believe.
1: You know, it's interesting, Kip, I have, I just, I had to parent my kids differently than the way my, you know, my father in particular, when I started dating in high school, I had to have a conversation with my son that my father could not have envisioned, you know, so he started, he wanted to date this girl and there was some little conflict and, you know, he started to do it via text and I said, no, 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 you are not going to do this via text message. Because text message, like you noted, it doesn't convey tone of voice. There's all kinds of stuff that you can't communicate. You have to actually go talk to her. You can't do this by text. And that's a that's a that is a conversation my father never had to have with me because it wasn't an option.
0: You're right. It wasn't. I mean, we we I remember a a friend of mine's uh, uh, partner had died and uh i remember i just embraced the guy when 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 i when that happened yeah and you can't do that over an iphone you can say gee i'm sorry i really feel for your loss but that personal touch that yeah i feel i understand your pain you're my friend i understand
1: so my my it, it, my sense with this Technology, because the iPhone is really, the smartphone is really only basically eleven years old right now, Mm. right?
0: Scary when you think about it,
1: right? My sense, my sense is, remember, you know, when automobiles came out, there weren't roads and road signs, and it was just very. You've seen those pictures from the early 1900s; it's just chaotic. Mm -hmm. My my sense is, is that culturally, right now we are moving from a chaotic phase in how we deal with one another to, to learning how to monitor one another, uh, how, we, how we communicate in a digital world. Uh, I think a lot, I, I, I notice it among parents of my generation in the school here, you know, a lot of us, these cell phones became cheap and available, and we just gave them to our kids. And then we realized, oh, my goodness look at all this all this consequence that we couldn't have imagined and so now we're starting to learn from this and i think this is true of parents i i think this is true of software developers i think it's true culturally we've we're trying to figure out a way to use this technology which can be really really helpful but not lose our humanity
0: mm. there is a um... Remarkable recording. I don't know if you've ever seen it. In the early days of television, uh, for Edward R. Murrow was, the, uh, was talking about the enormous impact that television was going to have and that it, what it could be used for. It could be used for good or not. Yes. And uh, I think that's what we're facing now, the same thing. Uh, and, you know, you're right. I didn't even have an iPhone until about six years ago. And now I you know, I, I have one with me all the time. I, I I saw in that article about people who sleep with their iPhones. Mine's on my bedstand. stand. It's my alarm clock. Right. <laughs> and... Well, I'm I'm
1: in the midst of right now, and I know you wanted to talk about social media, and I'm I'm really and I'm eager to have that. Yeah. I am in I'm at the, I'm in about six months right now of pretty much a Facebook fast. I I found myself so manipulated. Really so um, misused, so in a sense, truthfully addicted to it, uh, that I I really largely cut myself off because I wanted to reconnect with people. I bought a local newspaper, which I hadn't read in years. Um, I'm trying to have personal conversations with people actual conversations rather than do it digitally and certainly you know a lot of people want to do pastoral care via text and i tell them i will not do pastoral care via text we can use text to arrange a meeting but uh, i am not going to have a conversation about an issue between a husband and wife over text we're not we're going to actually meet and talk it through
0: that's again part of the communication process, where it's it's more than just words,
1: right? No, no doubt, and and I think you know for pastorally, you know the technology became available. We started we started to use it. Pe- you know, people, it's so easy and it's so ubiquitous. We all just text each other for everything, but there are serious limitations. And I've just arrived at a point as a pastor. Also, well, I'll use a text to to help arrange a meeting, but I am not going to have. An in-depth conversation with my thumbs you we are actually gonna have to get together and have a cup of coffee and talk through some stuff
0: I'd like to move on a little bit to the to the Facebook the social media thing because I think there's a good segue here Uh, now I confess I I use Facebook a lot Uh, and through it I've been able to maintain contact with people I've known for years who live in different part of the country even even overseas yeah yeah I've made friends in Europe. I've never met you know I've known through gaming sites, things like that, and there is that. That's a wonderful aspect to it. Now, one thing I do um is I never go on anonymously. If I have something to say, by golly, I ought to have the guts to own up to it. And I good for you, yeah, and I see so much of the abuse on on Facebook from people who use a handle they're hiding behind their anonymity, and i just can't I can't stand that when I see somebody doing that, I just discount what they have to say. If it's not important enough to you for you to stand up for it and own it, it's not important enough for me to read it or hear it
1: I agree, and that that's that's part of what you know why I stepped back from this for a while because I had a sense that. I was just being used. You know, I I found myself getting most of my news via Facebook or in other social media. I just I had to step back, and I felt like I had to cut myself off from it largely for a while to try and reconnect with the world so that I can be more responsible in my use of it. I'm just starting to emerge from my social media fast.
0: Well, let me ask you a question as a pastor. Sure. Um, One of the groups i converse with frequently on uh, on facebook um is a group of west coast progressive uh lgbt gay type people sure. and i try to engage them and i i will explain my points of view and uh we'll exchange debates uh and find myself Constantly being accused of being a homophobe, of being a racist, f- for holding the, this, the beliefs that are so common here in middle America. And you know, I keep trying to, I won't say minister to them, I can't, I'm a layman. You know, it's, but I try to show them what, what, what it means to be a Lutheran. Sure. And uh, I'm, I'm running into a great deal of hostility. I'm sure. And I'm not quite sure how to handle it. I, you know, on, on one point, I'm tempted to say, oh, to heck with it. Let them stew in their own juices. On the other hand, part of my job, part of my duty as to in who and what I am is to bear witness to Christ.
1: Yes. Well, and I, I applaud you for being, for being out there. I mean, you do need, and we've talked about this a little before, you and I, mm-hmm. you do have to be able to keep your head. Um and, and by that I mean remain as non emotionally responsive as possible, you know, trying to keep the the dramatic emotional response out of it. Yeah. You know, and if you can if you can do that and speak the truth in love, then God bless you in your missionary endeavor. If you if you find yourself way too angry um, you need to cut yourself off, and that may not be your field.
0: It's not an anger; I feel it's a frustration. You know, I, I try I, I never go full Samantha B on anyone.
1: Sure, that was a very unfortunate thing.
0: Uh, that's one word for it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I am appalled at how many people are coming to her defense. But that's that's another issue. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't think our president, in the way he responds to, is is actually <laughs> helpful in the cultural response. But he is you know
0: it's all over the place He's... yeah it is it is uh, you know there there is the loss of civility and and this is one thing i try to keep in my posting i don't go in well you miserable so so dónde- 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 i say Here, i think you're wrong and here's why this is what i believe this is how i i act um i've, I've gotten into uh, one recently uh, one of the one of my california friends who is part of this group i mentioned uh recently just lit into me for being a racist. and so what i did was i gave him a uh, a link to one of my other programs called uh, let's well this program actually let's chuck the pastor's in. and that particular program was with my pastor,
1: Wayne Lawrence.
0: Yeah, Wayne Lawrence, who as you know is not white. Right. And my congregation is 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 mixed race i actually i think we are probably uh, african american majority, and I gave that to them to uh to listen to and uh boy, the response from that one was well blah 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 why are you why do you think that, that somehow justifies your racist views what I have to admit i'm a little offended by that, but yeah. i i'm I'm, I'm right. thinking about how to respond And that's
1: part of that is part of the missionary risk, right? I mean, you have to be, you have to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is within you. To do that with gentleness and respect, and and and, and be prepared that people are not going to receive that necessarily well. Um, and you know, you may need to, like we're doing here, or you may need to just occasionally go talk to your pastor and blow mm-hmm. off some steam. Um, you know and that's not a so that you can go back so that you can go back to your missionary endeavor
0: um, well you know part of it I think uh, is I I'm, I'm aware of what I don't know and and I see this uh, I won't call it certain on, on their part. I'm gonna call it hubris uh, and they just a complete utter contempt for any other kind of uh, any other viewpoint uh, more than contempt, as I said, it's contempt ordering on hatred and it's it's a frightening development that I see and I'm seeing it more and more frequently um, and you know there's the old saying, you know what would jesus do well <laughs> there's the old, there's the old saying well turning over tables and chasing people with whips is one option <laughs>
1: yeah well the, and that's just and that's just the thing is. The, the what-would-Jesus-do question has its limitations, uh, because Jesus, one, is he's God, so he's omniscient. He knows the question, yeah. he knows the person, so, you know, we're not. So we have to come at this with, with a considerable amount of humility. And then I think that's what you were trying to say, is you you recognize that there are things that you don't know.
0: Yeah, and and I'm sure that you run into a situation, every pastor I know runs into a situation where, uh, they're going to get into a theological argument with with uh, a, a member of the congregation or an outsider who will just say, "No, you're wrong. You're, you're seeing it wrong." Uh, that's one reason why I'm a layman because I don't know.
1: Well, and for what it's worth, there's a lot that pastors don't know either. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm learning that, but <laughs> but at least I can go to the pastor and have him, have him explain to me what it is that i'm not understanding.
1: Well, and that's hopefully hopefully what we what your pastor can help you do is is if he doesn't have the resource himself, he can get you to the resource. Oh yeah. And and that's i remember you know one of my one of my professors who just retired back uh Tim Quill, i remember my first year at the seminary going into his office and saying oh my goodness, this is so much, I'll never be able to learn all this. And Dr. Quill said, Lance, theology is a mountain, <laughs> and you are never going to conquer the mountain. Depending on how good a student are you are, you'll have a good map to the mountain, but you will never own the mountain. You will just have a good map to it. And I found that a really helpful analogy.
0: I think it's a good one. Um... And I think the danger from the layman's point of view is looking at a question, a scriptural question or a moral question, and determining what is right as opposed to what what it is you want to do. it's, It's human nature to say, well, I want to do this, therefore it must be right. Indeed. and. That is the problem, and I think this is the problem. So many of these, this group I'm talking to, has is that this is what they want. Therefore, it has to be right, and anyone who opposes it is wrong. Uh, I happen to think that they're wrong, obviously, but you know, I'm willing to discuss it with them and show them why. I'm not going to condemn them. That's not for me to do.
1: What I I think we are we as Orthodox Christian types are going to have to be. Fairly out front, right? If we if we want, if we want to, not be persecuted or ostracized, we are also going to have to be willing to stand for the freedoms. Uh, and I'm speaking First Amendment stuff, mm-hmm. even with people that we disagree, and sometimes disagree profoundly. Um, I, I, and this is so. We we talked a little bit you and I before about the work of Greg Seltz and and our folks on in the Center for Religious Liberty. But yeah. whether in Washington D.C. or Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, or St. Louis, or Los Angeles, or Baltimore, or wherever, we we need to stand up for people when if their if their if their freedoms. Are being maligned or abridged. We need to, even if we dis, and perhaps especially if we disagree with them. I think that will help us be heard when we make our case publicly.
0: I, I think it's right. Uh, I know, for example, a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the uh, the faith based the faith based. Uh, um, Legal groups, uh, for example, will handle non-Christians. Sure. Which I think is a wonderful thing. Obviously, we don't agree with Jews, we don't agree with Muslims, but they've got the absolute right under our way of living to believe and follow what they want. Uh, you know, I think it's wrong, but it, hey, it's their choice. I can't force them. I wouldn't even if I could.
1: Right. And, if, and again, if we want... Right, our Constitution recognizes it doesn't grant the right, it recognizes... Yes, we it, that we have the right to practice not just to worship, but to practice our to practice our religion, uh, to speak freely, um, to have a free press, to assemble freely, and you know we, we are I, I think we Orthodox types are going to need to step up for others when those when those freedoms are abridged, whoever well, they may
0: be. Well, part of it, you know, our lives are supposed to be witness. And this is part of it, you know, where the, that voice in the back of our head and the words inside the scripture tell us what to do, what's right. And, you know, by standing up for doing what is right, we are bearing witness to God. At least that's my view. Am I correct on that, Pastor?
1: I wouldn't, I won't dis. I won't disagree with you. Uh, Again. You know, we are in a unique, we are in a you know, historically unique situation that we, lit, you know, we're in a pluralistic country that grants relatively unprecedented freedom to all kinds of different people. But if 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 we want to be able to preach from our pulpits and our classrooms, or even talk to our neighbor and say, well, no, homosexual behavior is not God's will, um, we want the freedom to say that. Um, we may, we may, we may have to, and this will offend some people, but we may, we may have to, if if somebody says, you know, you can't have this demonstration or that, we may have to go to the local city council and say, look, I totally disagree with these people, but, but I believe they have the right to do this.
0: You ought to join my discussion group on uh, Facebook. (laughs) Be a welcome voice. (laughs)
1: Well, you could invite me i'm i'm I, i'm slowly creeping my way back on um i don't do i just I've, i i just found myself getting so sucked into things that weren't necessary that uh yeah it was unhealthy for me
0: it can be it can be you know anything to excess uh i have got my hobbies and it that, that irritate the heck out of my wife you know so uh, and she's she's probably correct that i i spend too much time doing that where i should be spending more time on us
1: well then then a, a piece of pastoral advice then yeah. you give yourself a certain amount of time and you and you keep yourself to that so if you you know you gave yourself a couple hours a week or whatever it is to do that type of stuff then you monitor your time and then When it's necessary, then you shut it down. Uh, I hope that doesn't sound overly condemnatory, but maybe that's what you need to do. Uh,
0: Again, this is one of those things where I don't want to do that, but I know it's right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, if if your wife is telling you you're spending too much time on that, um, you know, Kip, you need to listen to her. (laughs) That doesn't necessarily mean she's right, but you have to at least listen and acknowledge that she might be. (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, Pastor Donald, we're running up to the last minute here. Uh, any final thoughts?
1: Any final th- I want uh, well, I would love to talk more about the social media thing, but I would encourage people to be out there, but if you find yourself in social media, if you can't speak the truth in love and you're just being angry, it's time to step back.
0: It is, and also know that there are a great many inspirational things available through digital media Uh, one site that we use here all the time at the station is Bible Gateway and you know you can get the Bible there the LCMS is on Facebook we've got our web page KFUO is on the on the website everything there's a lot going on and there's a lot of good and that's part of the problem is people don't realize just how much good is out there or at least they don't use it but it's there
1: yeah be it but be a human being You know, separate from the digital now and then, talk to people, go have a cup of coffee, get to know your neighbors.
0: Good idea. You've been listening to last talk. The pastor is in. Today's guest pastor was Lance O'Donnell, St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Anamara. i a Wisconsin. <laughs> I want to give special thanks to you, Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie, for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available at Amazon.com. You've been listening to The Pastor is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue.
1: To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting
0: The Pastor is In on Worldwide KFUO.